Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, HR Talk, your premier source for human resource stuff and things. I'm JC, co-captain of the uh, sinking ship, and all the way down to sunny central Florida, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who uh, who believes that radical candor may have actually been a fruit on a tree at one point in time, Ricky Bias. You know, JC, the Titanic sank, yet it is still famous 100 plus years later. Titanic sank and it's so famous a hundred years later. Ricky Vice, how are you doing today? Doing good, brother. How about yourself? Doing real good. Uh, there's some yeah. great word going around out there about all the positive things that are taking place with Sherm and HRCI. A lot of great pivots in the past year or so. And then, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you. I'm a huge fan of both, man. I think both have their place in the market and uh, it's going to be real good coming up in the next few weeks to get together. For a conference in person, you and I That's down right. at uh, Port Canaveral for the annual 25th annual, that is, Anniversary Space Coast HR Conference. Going to be taking place April 20th, 2022. It's the 25th anniversary. Going to be flying down from New York, emceeing the event. Ricky Bies is going to be there by my side. If I happen to have a stroke or get hit by a bus or chased by an alligator, he'll be happy to step in and emcee as well. But in he that will order. be yeah, in that order. <laughs> But uh, Ricky is going to be at the podcast booth in the room. And if you've not seen this before, we do like a red carpet kind of thing. It's not like a a special presentation on stage. We could do that. We could absolutely do that. If you want us to do the show live and take questions live on the fly, we would love to do that at a conference one of these days. This is not that time. We're going to have a booth set up, a table where you could come sit down, say hi, uh, tell us a little bit about you and, and talk about topics that are going to be covered at the conference, current events, whatever you desire. So once again, that's going to be April 20th, 2022. We have an amazing list of speakers coming up for that event as well, some of which Ricky has already had the pleasure to interview on the program. Isn't that right, Rick? That is correct. We interviewed Ashley Brundish. She is going to kick off the event on April 20th. Man, she was I mean, that that episode was awesome. I can't wait to actually meet her in person. We spoke to Lillian Chavez Moon. She brings a lot of information from the legal world and what we can expect. Um, I spoke with Sam Slay. Man, Sam Slay, I can't wait to meet him as well. That is going to be awesome. I just, I just can't wait. So wait a second. We got, Sa- Sam was AR fifteen solutions or something like that, right? No, what is Glock it? three. No, something three sixty or three fifty. Oh, three fifty seven. Three fifty seven. Just say. AR solutions. <laughs> no, he is um, 357, the 357 Solutions Incorporated. I don't awesome. know why I said 360. Yeah, former police officer turned motivational speaker, leadership consultant. Man, his he's got some great stories. And JC, if anybody understands what HR people go through, HR professionals go through, it's, cops. it's a former police officer. Yeah, it's cops. Absolutely. Cops know. Hey, you've got someone else on the list there though. Keep going down. Who's who who'd you uh who else do we have here? Well, we, we've got Michelle Tatum Bush. She is going to be there along with Lewis D. Wilson. They are both partners at Ford Harrison. They're also going to bring some legal knowledge and what we can expect in 2022. So it's going to be great. April 20th, we're going to be in Cape Wait. Canaveral. Scroll down more. There's there's another name on the list. Isn't there another name on the list that we're forgetting about here? Oh, Hang on. We'll go, go back. Oh, go back to the I previous gotta go back page. Then. And get that go. Let's go back. Up. Right there. 
I can't believe we forgot Darren Finley. I didn't forget. I've been trying to coach yes, you. Yes, you did. No, you haven't. <laughs> I'm dude. pushing you, you to talk like, about oh, Darren. Oh, my God. Did we forget about somebody else? So let me yeah, ask dude. you a question. <laughs> have you had the opportunity to talk to Darren on the program yet? We haven't. No, we have not. Not yet. Senior yeah. Training Consultant, <laughs> Dynamic Corporate Solutions Incorporated. Darren is a Senior Training Consultant with Dynamic Corporate Solutions Incorporated, DCSI. He began his consulting career in 2004 based on his passionate belief that management and leadership excellence are essential for organizational success across all industries. Um, prior to forming his consultancy, Darren served as a senior executive in industries ranging from banking to hospitality with both private and public companies. He's been recognized for his leadership and expertise in operations improvement, organizational development, and financial management and diversity. Darren's going to be a very interesting individual to speak with and also hear a presentation from. Uh, he's a native of Birmingham. He was raised in Atlanta, and he's an ops guy. I mean, when we talk about ops and HR, isn't there like a, a perpetual battle that takes place there? And typically ops wins, right, Rick? Not necessarily. The battle between ops and HR is no different than the battle between the Marines and the Navy, right? It's uh, when we're hanging out together, we're like, you don't know what you're doing. And they put the fingers back and forth. But when it's time to get the job done, we get together. That's right. right. That's the best way I can describe that. That's right. Then you so. fall in line with what operations needs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Well, well, wait a minute. Remember. Operations is in charge, right? Not HR. HR is the advisor. Operations is in charge. How did you put that before? The consigliere, in a way, right? That's that's right. So when operations is the godfather, and HR is the consigliere. We give options. You select which options is best for you, and we'll go through with those options. So once again, that's going to be April twentieth, twenty twenty two, at Port Canaveral. We're going to have more information on that coming up momentarily. But please visit Space Coast HR Conference I believe, Rick. That is correct. Those tickets are still available. So go ahead and go to a SpaceCoastHRConference.com. That is SpaceCoastHRConference.com. If you want to see Ricky Baez talk, he'll be at the HR Association of Southern Maryland, harass him. And that's going to be taking <laughs> place coming up in a few months as well, right, Rick? Actually, on May 11th to May 13th, it is the, the harass him annual conference wave of change. Oceans of Opportunity. This is going to be in Ocean City, Maryland. So you can find tickets here as well. As well. Um, just go to uh, H-R-A-S-M-O-N-L-I-N-E dot Sherm dot org and you'll be able to find the tickets there. Um, it's uh, it's $300. We did have an early birth special that expired yesterday, but you still have time to, uh, to get your seat. It is going to be an amazing event. I'm going to be there. A lot of other great people are going to be there. It's going to be fun. I'm going to see... If I can get together with Captain Dave, he lives in that area now. So I'm going to see if I can get together with him. We talked about it. No. That music Wrong is not for Captain Dave. Life from another perspective. <laughs> they can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. With Ricky inspirational quotes with Ricky Bias. Two weeks worth in one program. Here it comes. leaders pandemic it's almost three years old now if you still have not connected with your employees and build those relationships to help them get through this process just how you are why are you a leader that's right you heard it here first fire your why? employees 
Nope, you did not hear it here at all. <laughs> Those words never came out I, of my mouth. I thought that's what you just said. <laughs> I did not say anything no, like that. No, I thought it was something along the lines of like, if you want to be a good leader and people oppose you, just fire them. Wasn't that that's right? That's what other organizations do. Absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? All right. Not not us here at Bias Co Learning Incorporated. <laughs> JC, dude. Talk to me. I, I, you got to listen to this story. All right, let's okay, hear last it. Last week. No, hold on. Last week, we had a conversation about what happened in Icon Park where that young man passed away, unfortunately, because of the uh, seatbelts on the ride. And we talked about it. Not going to go too much into it, but check this out. This is from 10 Tampa Bay. Listen. And a strange twist here. We are now learning the woman who had been very outspoken about this whole thing. The woman who claimed to be Samson's cousin is not at all related to the family. We heard from Shay Johnson earlier this week. She claimed that she spoke with the teen the night of the fall, but the Orange County Sheriff's Office now says Samson's mother told detectives that she has no idea who this person is and she does not speak for their family. However, the family has not filed a report against her. Investigators say that at this point they have no evidence of a crime, but still not clear why she was claiming to be part of the family in the first place. All right. That was what? from 10 Tampa Bay, <laughs> dude. What? Oh, man. Look, it, it's that story hit everybody in Orlando. It, it's uh, the this community has come together. They bring flowers, bring support. They had a prayer, uh, prayer circle right there by the ride. And this lady kept coming out in the news uh, claiming to be a family member. And she she brought all she organized a lot of these things, saying how sad she feels for her nephew or something like that. And then when the real her the, the poor kid's real family shows up, she's like, "Who are you? Who is this person?" Or she like took compl- that is the epitome of co- taking ownership, right? You know, great initiative, horrible judgment. Right? That's not something you should take ownership on. But it, it's just such an odd story that somebody would claim to be a family member and do all these things. It's just weird. Yeah, I'd I'd say there there's the aspect of chasing the spotlight. You you got to wonder about a little bit. Do, does well, does anyone know what her connection is to? Uh, to it just to came anyone? out on Thursday. <laughs> no, nobody knows anything. Nobody knows Do anything they even about know this who lady. She is no, they don't. <laughs> the family does not. The extended you know what, family then? that lives here. You know what? Then? The close she, family in Missouri now. She probably works for a call center. Where she hits people up about their auto insurance or something. Who knows? Oh my God, Jay. It, it could be something along those lines, you know? And at the end, I want to say I've been trying to reach all of y'all. Yeah, because I'm about mean, your car's extended warranty. I, I don't know who those people are. They're elusive. Everyone wants to know who they are, but let me tell you something. <laughs> Maybe that's where she, she's got more anonymity than most alphabet soup agencies out there. You know what I mean? She's like, I know exactly what you mean, man. That's funny. That's but, crazy. It's crazy. But this lady right here, she's not being arrested because she did everything except organized funds collection. Right. If she would have done a GoFundMe stuff like that, then she would have been arrested for fraud. But she did everything but that, which is even. If if they were really crazy, wouldn't they do that as well? Because they wouldn't see a line. It's, it's just such an odd story uh, that I felt we should talk about as a follow up from last week. Well, I've got nothing more on that topic. I think it's pretty jacked up. What would you want to hit me with on that one? Anything in particular, Bro. or was that yeah, it? It's because no, that's that's no, just a jacked. I'm I'm looking forward to an update on that as the weeks go by. Let's find out who she is and kind of go from there, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to hit this right up off the bat. We've got some deep topics for you. Current events this week are not brought to us in part by anyone. We don't get paid for this. Absolutely not. And it really gets old. 
So there's huge uh, implications going on out there um, in, in the workforce. Uh, if we roll back the clock a few years, AB5, California, the rulings about independent contractors versus actual employees and the big push associated with that. And then the further connections to healthcare implications and, and all of that. And you saw a lot of people over the past few years say, okay, I am an actual business. I'm no longer an independent. I'm, I need to hire people. I can't treat them as independent contractors. Let's all make this official. And they're signing up their businesses and developing LLCs, INCs, whatever the case may be, and heading down new paths. And as you head towards a, a market that's more crypto based and a possible digital dollar in the future, you reach a point of of where every single dollar can be tracked, traced, and, and everything's like fully accounted for. And the world of confusion starts to drip away. And then maybe at that point, there who knows? There there could be implications associated with healthcare healthcare and things of the like. So one of the things that we saw going back not too long ago, and there's two huge articles. The first one is coming to us from Think Advisor. Uh, this came out on the 16th, just a little while ago, but it was followed up by National Law, Law Review. We're going to get into that momentarily. But in a, quote, victory for the Financial Services Institute, the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Texas ruled that the Labor Department's delay and withdrawal of its independent contractor rule violated the Administrative Procedure Act. So with the decision, the independent contractor rule is effective as of March 8th, 2021, the rule's original effective date. The court appropriately ruled that the Department of Labor's independent contractor withdrawal did not follow administrative procedure. Restoring the DOL's independent contractor rule provides clarity and certainty for independent financial advisors and independent financial firms, as well as many others who are independent out there as well. Uh, this is Again, this is coming from an advisor standpoint, but the rule clarifies the longstanding economic reality test to determine whether a worker is an employee or an independent contractor under the FLSA. Um, the rule clarified the standard for employee versus independent contractors under the FLSA and reaffirmed an economic reality test to determine whether an individual is in business for him or herself as an independent contractor or is economically dependent on a potential employer for work being an FLSA employee. So this this went up the uh, went up the chain in the courts and National Law, Law Review just did a beautiful summary on April second. I I really enjoy their uh, their write ups. If you're not familiar, just Google the National Law Review. This one was put together by Victor uh, Corpus on April first, and uh, it specifically relates to the Coalition for Workforce Innovation at Alvers Walsh, and this is that Texas ruling quote. During the Trump administration, the DOL promulgated, uh, prom, <laughs> promulgated, I'm having a tough time with that one today. Human beings. Yeah, human beings. A rule titled Independent Contractor Status under the FLSA, which sought to clarify the definition for independent contractor under FLSA because independent contractors provide specialized skills and are often used in the construction industry where short-term fluctuating needs are common. The ICFR is meaningful clarification for the industry. The stat, the status of independent contractor under FLSA has been a point of scrutiny because the FLSA guarantees minimum wage for all hours worked and overtime for any hours worked over 40 hours per week for covered non-exempt employees. The same guarantee does not apply to an independent contractor. In fact, the FLSA is largely silent on how to best determine an employee from an independent contractor. 
The ICFR's primary purpose was to provide clarity to the economic realities test, the multi-factor test used by the courts to determine whether, as a matter of economic reality, an individual is in business for himself or herself. So the factors uh, being upheld here, uh, the de- one, the degree of control exercised by the alleged employer over the worker. Two, the worker's opportunity for profit or loss. Three, the worker's investment in business. Four, the permanence of the working relationship. Five, the degree of skill required to perform the work. And six, the extent to which the work is an integral part of the alleged employer's business. The ICFR was scheduled to take effect on March 8th, 2021. February 5th of 21, the Department of Labor issued a notice of proposed rulemaking, proposing a 60-day delay of the independent contractor rule's effective date. The Department of Labor issued um, a withdrawal. And, um, yeah, the, every, everything's radically changed, Rick, basically. Um, the article goes on to kind of repeat a few things that we've already mentioned here. But the federal court opinion that the Department of Labor's decision to implement both the delay rule and the withdrawal rule was arbitrary and capricious because the Department of Labor failed to consider potential alternatives to rescinding the ICFR. So as a result, the court ruling that the Department of Labor's withdrawal was invalid, the ICFR goes into effect immediately, at least until an appeal might be taken. That doesn't do anything for you, though. <laughs> I was waiting for the pregnant pause to be over. <laughs> no, it's this gig economy has changed everything, JC. And the courts are realizing it. Employers are realizing it. And they're, they're, they are, I like how they're handling it instead of going all crazy with it and just putting all kinds of massive stoppage. There is some stoppage as far as strikes are concerned. You know, it's, it's especially what happened with Uber a few years ago. And, um, because Uber was the one that kind of changed this for everybody. The pandemic didn't help. Actually, it did help from their perspective. Depends how you're looking at it. But, the fact that it's being handled in the course and it's going to be hashed out in 20, 30 years, we're going to look back at this, just how we're looking back at what protected concerted activity, what social media has done to protect the concerted activity 10, 15 years ago. So this is a pivotal point. You and I and every business leader, every HR person out there right now are living in really, really interesting times because we, we are getting to see a massive shift on how contractors are classified, how employees are ca- are classified and who knows it might be a flexible option later on because that's what this is looking like it's looking like it's going to be a blended of the two and the, i'm sorry there's going to be a third option contractor employee and a hybrid blended of of both of them i don't know how that's going to look like but the way this is going brother the way this is being run up up that flagpole and everybody's fighting to their corner it is going to end up that way These recent moves do not affect state independent contractor tests, nor do they address contractor status under other laws such as the National Labor Relations Act. Stakeholders have for years asked regulators to coordinate or Congress to intervene with legislation to streamline those tests, but efforts have not gained momentum. Just need to keep it. It's from an HR perspective, brother. We just need to keep our finger on the pulse and just be ready to shift, be ready to shift whenever different things comes down the pike. Because what's 
The reason people are digging in is because they don't want to see any change. They finally got everything done, all the structure, everything put down the way they need to be. And now they're seeing that shift as they're investing so much time, money, and effort into it. And now they're fighting against it. Don't fight against it. Just be reasonable with the people you're working with and classify them appropriately. And you'll end up not being in court, spending a crazy amount of money to prove yourself right. All right, your next current event thing here. I'm awake now. Uh, coffee all right so this one's this one heads down a rabbit hole so you you're at the point where you're starting to fill the ranks right and you're you're recruiting you're doing whatever you have to do there are a multitude of videos on tiktok and numerous articles that have come out about this as of late and uh it all goes into employers taking a deep dive into your social media platforms and backgrounds. <laughs> and one of the interesting things associated with this is there's actually software out there now that provides like roll-ups. Um, employers will, will run someone's information in the software and they'll get ledgers worth of reports of every tweet you ever sent, every post you ever made, anything about you. And they're using it to screen employees or can use it in the in the hiring process mr bias we have a clip on this i believe and then after that i'd like to go immediately to you for your comments absolutely this is called accurate background introduces new social media screening solutions this is by i can't even see wfmz.com check it out it's going about to. Enhanced offering combines technology and human analysis of top social media platforms to provide a more thorough background check. Irvine, California, March 28, 2022, slash PR Newswire, slash Accurate Background, the largest privately held provider of compliant background checks, drug and health screening, and monitoring solutions, today announced a new social media screening solution, a technology-powered offering to strengthen the background check process and provide deeper insight into candidates. The information a potential employee shares online can provide insight into who they are and if their behavior is aligned with a company's guidelines and culture. Social media screening can help companies protect their reputation and minimize risk from candidates with potentially damaging posts that could negatively impact their corporate image. This additional research can provide employers with insight that may not be evident on a resume or in an interview. Using advanced technology, the social media screening solution searches publicly available posts on top social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter, to reveal images and text related to predefined risk categories that exhibit a candidate's online behavior or activity. Flag posts are reviewed by highly trained analysts to ensure the applicability of risk criteria and accuracy. The resulting social media report provides an overview of a candidate's online persona and character with text, images, and searchable links to any flagged posts. Without the right tools, processes, and policies, social media screening can be risky and time-consuming for employers, said Bon Idzia, Chief Compliance and Government Relations Officer, Accurate Background. Although market trends are pushing companies to hire quickly, the critical step of a thorough background check should not be compromised. Social media screening has quickly become a necessity for companies looking to assess a candidate's potential exposure across diverse risk categories. And working with a trusted, experienced provider like Accurate can be a critical step in mitigating that risk. For more information, visit the social media screening solution about Accurate Background. Our vision is to make every hire the start of a success story. 
as a trusted provider of employment background screening and workforce monitoring services. That's a commercial. Accurate background gives companies of all sizes the confidence to make. I'll stop it there. That's a commercial. So I am on the fence on this one, brother. I'm on the fence because, A, we should be able to post whatever we want on social media. But at the same time, B, that freedom to put whatever we want on there is not exempt from the consequences from that, <laughs> right? So from an employer's perspective, I want to make sure if I'm going to dish out $120,000 a year on somebody, I want to make sure this is the right fit for the organization. So I'm going to do the best. It's everything possible to make sure that the, per, the things this individual is telling me is 100% accurate about his or her character. So I understand it from an employer's perspective. My thing is, if you as a candidate don't get a position because of what you posted on social media, I think you should bear the brunt of that responsibility to cleanse your social media profiles to make sure that anything questionable that's out there doesn't get into the hands of the uh, your prospective employer. And it's not illegal not to hire you because of something they saw on social media. Could you imagine so, growing yeah. up with social media? You're growing up in this. You are the first generation to come up with technology in every aspect of your life. You're growing up in a realm of social media. Your parents tagged you on everything from the time that you were born till now. You're heading mm-hmm. out for your first job. They run this and they find that your aunt Stacy has continuously sent you funny, funny pictures, haha, over the years. And some of those pictures are questionable. And because they're on your page, they perceive it as you endorsing it. And now you don't get hired because of Aunt Stacy. I guess how I look at it, if I am that, that candidate, that's my aunt, then where's, where's my responsibility in making sure that my stuff is covered, right? So, if I don't have the intellect, if I don't have the forward thinking process to be able to cover those things up, then am I going to use the skills or lack of skills at work as well? Am I going to be that that careless at work as well? So that that's a legitimate argument, JC. On the next article associated with this from Business Today, there is also a clip on there as well from Vidyas. It's right underneath the uh, photo if uh, you, you want to get that one ready. But... Um, it, it it delves into this from the chief HR officer perspective, and uh, it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting listen. Here we go. Why employers are looking at your social media profiles? LinkedIn and Twitter are the usual suspects when it comes to the sites looked at. However. Facebook and Instagram are not entirely ruled out. All right, we're good. Go ahead, stop it. Stop it. And and here's why I said stop it. I'm not mad about the accent associated with the digital robot voice by any stretch of the imagination, but we just heard a robot read the previous article to us, and now we have a robot doing it again. And I've got a bone to pick with this because <laughs> this is twofold. Okay, so first, topic at hand, social media. The article is basically saying they're going to do it. Get over it. This is what's happening. Suck it up, buttercup. All right. Ricky just reinforced it. We're not going to beat a dead horse. Now, to the real issue at hand. Who really enjoys a computer reading to them compared to an actual (laughs) human? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. At the end of the day, if you're going to to lay your investments into your people and you're, you're actually going to put care and concern into training your workforce and 
making people more emotionally aware and attuned and and flexible mindsets and move away from fixed mindsets and hardline beliefs and cultures of fear, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, and by the way, while you weren't looking, I have a robot to do your job now. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts really bad. And I'm going to tell you something. How many people actually listen to like the robot versus someone who could actually bring it out with maybe a little bit of inflection? And then also on top of it all, when you have a robot that's programmed to read some of these things, and depending who programs that robot voice, everything that they say sounds like a question. <laughs> we should do a study. So then, so then One, you get into a story. <laughs> Hang on. You get into a story where it's like really traumatic, right? So it's like. Today, there was a airplane that crashed outside of blah, blah, blah. And so many people passed away. Alternatively, the robot will read it to you. And it's like today, robot telling you that the plane crashed and everyone died. It's like, wait, what? Why are you up-talking? Don't up-talk this stuff. Like, there's serious emotion and consideration behind these things. I don't know. Ricky, it bothers me. It bothers me to no end. And and uh, the reason I'm bringing this up to you and the reason why I want to hammer in on this, we're starting to see it more in your self-service tools and your self-help tools. You're going to tell an employee to go to the website and check things out. Hey, look, HR is here for you. We've got your back, dear employee. And I know that you're busy in operations, but go over to this website and do it. They'll take care of it for you. And now Intelligent Robot starts talking to this said employee and his five paragraphs worth of something. They're already tuned out on the first sentence, brother. They're not with you anymore. It's I was cringing when I heard it because I'm like, oh, this is so it's just so, such a huge disconnect, huge disconnect. And, you know, while while I heard you say that, I started thinking maybe we should do a, a test. Maybe we should do one show and it's just have robots just reading our parts for yeah. like an hour. Yeah, let's see how and that goes. <laughs> let's see how that goes. Right. Instead of people dropping off after two minutes or drop off after one minute at that point. So there'll be a shift. But, you know, it's it's um. Recently, I've 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 decided to take on to more clients, and I've decided to go on and do um, a lot more consulting work. And one of the things that I have seen and with clients is they tried something like this before. They tried these automatic trainings. They tried these AI type of trainings that they bought in the past couple of years, and they're finding that they're not effective. Are they effective to check a box for compliance? To check the box, yes, but is it effective for a transfer of knowledge from the content that this training delivers to the employee and have the employee and motivate the employee and put incentives in place so the employee can use it? Not as much. So almost every client I have spoken to in the past three weeks has told me the same thing. We're looking something impactful. We're looking for something for someone to come in and make a human connection between the training and theories and put it into the minds of the associates and convert it into application, not only application, but an application that they're happy to do at work. So along that, you've got to put processes in place that would incentivize, incentivize the employee to actually put those things to work. So that's what I started to see. So if history is any indicator, JC, this whole robot thing is going to either improve to sound more human-like or it's just going to go away. No, it's definitely going to improve to be more human-like. There was a article that just came out this past week from like Electronic Design. Um, as they, they, They've officially come up with a uh, AI-based uh, neuron. So stemming from research conducted by two universities, 
Engineers developed an artificial neuron that eventually responded to conversations in the lab. And uh, the, they used different colors in the development of the neuron, and they found that when they changed the actual color palette of the artificial neuron, it actually woke up. Um, oh. It was a grayish-reddish color that was the key. If they made the neuron grayish-reddish, it, it just kind of like woke up, and it, it consumed about 4,338 joules per minute, which is roughly the amount of calories in a whole chicken. So it's a, it's 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 a very energy consuming artificial neuron, and, and and where the where I'm going with this is, as artificial intelligence improves, yes, AI is going to improve across the board. Artificial speech is going to improve across the board. There's going to be enhancements and and all this stuff. And as as you move forward with that, and you combine it with social media screening, at what point do you as the human remain interacted? with the the tools that you buy into to make sound judgments. And I, I mentioned this with intent because you could buy the best HRS system, you, the, the best applicant tracking, the best screening software. You could do all these best things, kick back, enjoy your day on the, on the golf course or driving around in your, you know, VW Carmen Gia with the drop top down. I kept breaking down every five miles. Yeah, keep going. Don't rub it in. <laughs> Middle of an Orlando busy intersection. You could you could do That's all right. these amazing things, but if you don't have a shred of humanity associated with it, like if you can't bring some sort of non biased perspective to the table with uh. with a little bit of emotional intelligence, then you're just it's just data. It's just raw data at the end of the day. I, I don't know, man. No what what are your right, thoughts JC. on this, man? Well, I was going to say that the reason we need a human element in there is because the machines have no emotional intelligence. And you need some kind of emotional intelligence to be able to make a decision one way or the other of what the raw data means, right? Because raw data is just that, raw data, right? And people would argue, well, raw data is raw data. You can go out and consume it. No, you can't. Why don't you cook a chicken? You got raw chicken and cooked chicken, right? You want the end product. You want to process it. And there's different ways to process it. A machine can't do that. Up until I heard that article you just read about the neuron, <laughs> how it changes, um, I was going to say that, yeah, emotional intelligence is key. But what it's sounding like is that these, these AI projects are learning and they're evolving. And there's going to come a time when we're not going to be able to tell the difference. It's going to be such sophisticated algorithms that the AI process, I give it 10, 15 years, is going to start emulate human emotion. And we are going to have some kind of emotional intelligence. But I, I wonder, bro, I wonder if a lot of organizations keep the human aspect attached to a really automated process for A, the fear or quell any fears that employees might think that these machines are going to take over their jobs or they really, they really do have a legitimate concern about the raw data being applied inappropriately by another machine. I don't know, to be honest, because these things keep evolving more and more. And I honestly don't know if I should be scared personally or excited professionally. I don't know, to be honest. Not knowing and not caring. It's Discussions the for the future <laughs> is an entire battle. This episode will be titled Pregnant Pause. 
Sherman's got a lot cooking for him. They got a lot going on. And there's been a big push as of late about the cause and effects that you want. And it's all about the Sherman specialty credentials. And um, part of this push right now, Rick, is an affirmation out there stating that there is no better way to make a positive impact on the world of work than to become Sherm certified. Now, granted, that kind of sounds like it's a little bit of a commercial in and of itself, but Sherm CP and Sherm SCP credentials are something that are taken pretty seriously out there in the marketplace. Uh, some people do tend to lean a little bit more towards HRCI. Some people are accredited in both. Uh, the Sherm certifications, though, they're professional developments, man. It's curriculum that extends across all career levels. It provides broad and vast learning experiences. And HR professionals pursuant uh, to individual educational goals at the end of the day should consider some sort of a certification. So I want to hammer in on this just real quick with you. Mm-hmm. Aside from the specialty credentials that they do have, which we really haven't even talked about yet, um, the specialty credentials kind of, Head down a different path. Earning an SC, it's a substantial number of PDCs in the advance of your education category. And and the specialty credentials, they are dual purpose, right? Uh, It attracts two separate kinds of HR professionals at the end of the day. But but do, do you or have you ran into a lot of people that just aren't credentialed? They're certified with SHRM or HRCI. Do you see a lot of people in HR nowadays that are just in HR because they enjoy HR and they want nothing to do with a credential or certification. There's there's two camps out there, right? There's the camp that they just want those credentials, and I'm just being honest, it's my opinion. They just want those credentials to get ahead, right, and be noticed. And there's the other camp that doesn't care as much about being noticed as much as they care about the actual content that they learn and how they're going to apply it. Because I've hired people based on credentials alone, well, high emphasis on credentials, where when a situation came up in that employment relationship that they had to do certain things that that credential says you should be able to do, and they fell flat with it. So I've learned the hard way that looking at credentials alone, it's not the, it, it should not be um, a reason to hire somebody. That's a, that's a book smart to street smart kind of thing, though, too. Like you could learn it in the classroom and pass the test, but at the end of the day, once you once you put that into practical application, it's a different ball of beeswax, yes. right? Absolutely, JC. That's why because I I learned like California that about California years HR ago. law. Like if you had a specialty credential in California HR law from Sherm, but you don't do anything in California, now you're in a position where you do. It, it's what are you going to do, right? All, all you have is theories. And as we all know, whatever we, we, we learn in school, any kind of theories, it's a completely different ball of wax for you to actually apply it. So I learned that lesson about 15 years ago, JC, and that's why I started to implement little tests, tests to, to make sure that not only do you have the skill set that these credentials say you have, but how are you going to apply it? That's why I changed how I teach students in the masters of HR program. Instead of focusing on the on the theories alone, we focus on the theories, take a deep dive into the theory, and then I give them a project to bring in an article from the Wall Street Journal, any issue that you as an HR p- professional would advise the CEO of that organization using the theories that we learned in class. Oh, geez. Then Rick. we discuss it, we dissect it, 
And then I tell them, this is the place for you to make mistakes. Let's make the mistakes and learn from them. That way you can apply the very next day at work. Listen, you're not going to find relevant examples in Wall Street Journal, especially not with what you're looking to do. You gotta, you need to pivot and shift and have those students start to look in the Tampa Bay Times. You will definitely find plenty of opportunities across <laughs> Florida for reasons, <laughs> for, for age-related things. Right? <laughs> No, but but serious uh, question for you though. Like you just can't like uh, graduate and say, "Yep, okay, I got my uh, diploma or my master's or my uh, whatever, whatever," uh, and, and now I'm going to go and take the Sherm CP exam. You you can't do that. Like you actually need to have credits and hours or something like that. Like you right. got to have relevant experience or time and field or or some trash yep. like that, right? That's correct. Um, it used to be just time and service that you needed to either have, or back then was uh, HRCI only, um, to have either the SP, a PHR or SPHR. Now they have a couple of junior ones out, um, out there right now, and they have a criteria that in lieu of relevant experience, if you have education, you can swap, you know, swap those out. Um, so you're, you're, that's, that's how they're doing it right now. But at the end of the day, Folks, I'm telling you, if if you're looking to hire somebody that has that kind of credential, consider putting a test in place to see how they're going to apply that at your organization. Trust me, you're not going to be disappointed. Have you ran across people with these uh, special credentials, like the, those special courses, the California HR law, HR Department of One, inclusive workplace culture, people analytics, talent acquisition, total rewards, U.S. employment, immigration and workplace investigations? Like Sherman's got special courses for every single one of those. Do you know anyone that's taken those or have you taken any of those? Are are, are you finding benefit in that or, or value in hiring on teams when you see people with those special credentials? I haven't seen that yet. Um, I haven't taken any. Um, it's uh, if I end up needing to do a consultancy gig in California, obviously I'm going to brush up on that first. I know the, the basic fundamentals of uh, California state uh employment labor laws um but i wouldn't call myself an expert i'll just know where i can find it so i haven't seen that here jc um is it out there could it gain some credibility um it's as time goes on absolutely i'm still i'm, I'm still going to subscribe to the camp of testing to make sure the the applicability is actually legit for the organization it so. almost seems like they're starting to break things down though like they've got the upcoming pmq the people manager qualification um it kind of gives uh more of more of the focus on on specialty kind of things it, do, does it seem like they might are they breaking things out are they taking like some of that relevancy and and turning them into like sustainable courses over a longer span of time do you think that's what it is with some of these specialty things i sure hope so brother and 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 here's where i'm saying i hope so right because on one side it looks like oh man um, we really need to uh, to uh, get some more money coming and let's put these classes out there, right? Uh, which makes sense if they were a for-profit organization, but they're not, right? They're a uh, they're not for profit, especially since they they launched their own credentials uh, uh, some years back because they felt like HRC I was taking some of their market share. I get it, um, but I I don't see any value in putting that out there. Unless they start putting together group studies, case studies, start maybe if you're going to sell some classes, let's get some group events where people can bring relevant real life information into that into that conversation where they're able to dissect how they're going to apply those skill sets into that real world um, application. Because otherwise, it's just theory. 
They get their money, they get their credentials, they go back, and they still need to find somebody there with some kind of background in that process to walk them through there. So that's why I do my classes differently than everybody else, because I really care about the future of HR people that I run with or into. I don't run a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If Ricky ever ran you over with his car, if he runs you over, now you you know the root of it. All right, what are the last main current event topics that I have for you right here? Uh, second to last one, and these are out of pocket, Rick. You, you're not aware of these. I'm hitting you out of the blue with them. The Sherm one, but then also this one, HRCI. Uh, over the past few months here, they did announce availability of their first Arabic HR certification. The premier credentialing organization officially launched internationally recognized APHRI program in modern standard Arabic. Um, so that's out there now, too. That's a growing area of the world right now, as far as uh, as uh, as uh, um, workforce is, is growing is concerned. Let's talk about yeah. that real quick. With Arabic considered one of the top five languages in the entire world, adding support for the Arabic language was a logical progression for the APHRI program, according to CEO Amy Dufresne. As major employers in the global economy, Arabic-speaking HR professionals should have the same training as their English-speaking colleagues to support their workforces and further their careers. So. Big moves in in two directions there on the Sherm side of the house with the special credentials and the the focus on on those key aspects and then with HRCI some of the focus on the the Arabic program for the APHRI uh, I'm sorry APHRI yeah that that was right um, big movements from from both teams both sides of the camp there eh. <laughs> About two years ago, I was um, I met somebody at a conference, and he and I started having a conversation. He was the uh, the uh, VP of Ops for a specific organization in that part of the world. He was looking for a consultant, right? He saw me speak, and he's like, "I'll be. Yeah, I just want to be able to sit down with you, have a conversation about how you can help our organization." And once I figured out where they were, I told him, "I'm not an expert on that side of the house. So let me refer you to somebody who does have an, uh, a lot of uh, um, expertise in international human resources." Um, so up until that point in time, that has never happened to me. But people came up to me without me having a international certification. So I guess as that area of the world starts getting more and more advanced and growing and all these cities and all these companies are coming out of that side of the world. There's going to be a bigger need for a really sound minded business people and really hardcore HR professionals to help them along the way. It's time for Florida Man Stories. Florida Man Stories here on HR Talk. What are the longstanding traditions that we have? Your first story and your only story on the Florida Man Story tip is actually a Florida woman's story coming to us from USA Today. USA Today. Ricky, you've got something on that. You mean USA Today? That's what I meant. USA Today. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Got Title it. VII while we're at it. <laughs> got it. All right, bringing that up right here. Hold on. Why is this not helping? Oh, man. Hold on a second. Title of the article here is Florida woman (laughs) impregnated with Dr. Sperm in artificial insemination was awarded $5.25 million, according to the Associated Press on March 31st here. A little bit more of that story coming up in one brief moment as Ricky's getting things ready. This commercial came up and 
It's still got 25 seconds left for the commercial. So go ahead and continue to paddle unless you want to do a uh, pregnant pause, like the title of the show says. Yeah, pregnant pause is where it's at today. Here we go. Got it. I thought I did. (laughs) Audio. There you go. There are many of us out here that he ruined our lives. I mean, my daughter thought she was my husband's. I had to go home and tell my husband that he was not the father of my child. Oh, my God. No, I don't feel like I was hurt today. No, not at all. Um, I don't felt like I was able to uphold all of my siblings. I have set up numerous nights, especially with my sister here, crying because her dad was supposed to be her father. Dude, that's hard. A federal court jury in Vermont on Wednesday awarded a Florida woman $5.25 million from a doctor who used his own sperm to impregnate her uh, during an artificial insemination procedure in 1977. The federal court jury in Burlington began deliberating on Tuesday and returned with verdict on Wednesday. The verdict form filed in federal court in Burlington said the jury awarded plaintiff Cheryl Rousseau $250,000 in compensatory damages and $5 million in punitive damages from Dr. John Coates III. Rousseau's attorney, Celeste Laramie, said in an email Wednesday after the verdict was announced, the jury awarded the amount they had requested, and the jurors found Coates' behavior to be wrongful and offensive. The jury, through its punitive damages verdict, sent a message to any physicians who might think about lying to their patients or using their own semen to inseminate their patients, she said. Such behavior will have serious consequences. I can't even wrap my head around this one, Rick. This is... It's horrible. It, he, it's, well, I can't even imagine finding out, out. I mean, that's one thing, you know. He should be in jail. Yeah, that too. Absolutely. In jail. You it, it's you know how many lives this guy has ruined? It it's he literally erased erased people's early childhood. Because the person they thought was their father. Now, granted, biologically, yeah, they're not their father, but it, it, it it's it's for, emotionally, yeah, they still are their father from, you know, it, it's from an emotional emotional perspective, but good lord, what would drive somebody to do something like that? The Russo and, lawsuit oh. said they discovered what <laughs> had happened awful. when their now grown daughter sought information about her biological father through DNA testing. The daughter determined Coates was her father, according to the lawsuit. In jail, close shop. In jail, any forces he's made along the way, he needs to be stripped away from it and give it to each and every victim, each and every family life that he has affected. That is some BS right there. Unbelievable. Ricky, I'm going to take you down a a, a journey here and you get uh, to choose your path. I will give you uh, I'll give you three choices to choose from. Go ahead. Uh, You have the option of Velcro. The U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve or nothing. What is your choice? You Velcro. Velcro? You want Velcro? Yeah. yeah. Velcro it is, my friend. Uh, stand by. In 1948, George de Mistral went for a walk with his dog. And when he got back home, he found that the dog was covered with burrs. Burrs are those seed sacks that get stuck to you in the woods. He couldn't help but notice on his own pants they were covered in them as well. Curiously, he rushed to his microscope and examined the burrs attached to his pants. It's still unclear if he took them off first, but at the time of the story, we believe he did. Upon closer examination, 
He saw the burrs were clinging to his pants from many small hooks on the burrs that firmly grasped the hoops in the fabric of the pants. George thought if he could artificially recreate the same thing, constructing hooks and loops that bind to each other firmly, then there would be almost no need to tie things up all the time to secure them. Nor would you need so many zippers, which at the time were obnoxiously popular, and his thought was they might not be necessary any longer. Looking for the perfect formal name for his product, and something not only memorable but marketable, he combined the French words velour for velvet and crochet, meaning hook, and came up with the name Velcro. At its simplest, you could say Velcro means hooked velvet. He collaborated with a French weaver to come up with a perfect hook and loop fastener, initially made of cotton, which proved impractical. The fastener was eventually constructed with nylon and polyester. He noticed that when nylon was sewn under infrared light, it resulted in tougher hooks on the burr of the fastener. So he applied that strategy to his own design. Mistral patented Velcro in 1955. Originally envisioned as a fastener for clothing, today Velcro is used across a wide array of industries and applications, including healthcare, the military, land vehicles, aircraft, and even spacecraft. One could say, in the decades to come, retirees in Florida and children alike would forever be in his debt for no longer having to tie their shoes. These are interesting things with JC. Back to you. I don't know if I would ever describe a zipper as annoyingly popular. Is that what he, is that what you said? Obnoxiously popular. Obnoxiously popular. You've never said, you've never seen those uh, coats or, or pants that have like excess zippers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like yeah like they were just sewn cool. on for additional like yeah yeah <laughs> that one what what's from with looking cool looking trendy hey, looking man. at michael jackson what happens when you unzip that nothing it's literally <laughs> just a zipper sewn on the arm of my coat or right. or two criminals are walking down the street hey man let's go mug that guy and the, and the other guy's no he's got way too many uh, zippers you know that's a bad boy right there we're not gonna we're not gonna go over there man that's a crazy guy with all them zippers and nothing to put in it <laughs> zippers are very obnoxious time for final thoughts over to you can't wait for next month actually this month can't wait for 19 days from now where we're actually all, a bunch of us going to be in a room. We're going to be at Space Coast, and we get to see everybody talking about all different uh, um, avenues of approach for HR in the future. So that's, what I, that's, that's my final thoughts. I cannot wait for the event coming up in 20 days. My final thoughts on the show today are I can't wait for Ricky's next final thoughts. I'm JC. On behalf of Ricky Bias, the entire Biasco Learning LLC team to include the LLC and the team and all of Biasco, we want to thank you very much for being here today. Drive safe. Have a good night. I don't don't consider zippers obnoxious. I can think of a few other obnoxious things and a zipper. Like this DJ crap happening right now. That's more obnoxious than a zipper. The same people laugh and clap the same way always. (laughs) They get paid. We don't. (laughs) Right.
we are consistent at not paying people. <laughs> that actually made me chuckle. <laughs> Oh, they want that tip, huh? <laughs> They're not tipped employees. You're not going to get it. Best I can do is to group on to Arby's. Oh, now we're frying chicken? This better be the end of the show. <laughs> People are going to get more information in these last 40 seconds than they did in the entire hour of the show. <laughs> You're still clapping. But I want to stop. Oh, more people? Great. That's awesome. Are they fading away in a black hole or something? How many different clap clips do we have? You're listening to HR Talks, weekly TikTok roundup. You got Ricky Baez and JC. Get up now. people in the back. Boy, they are. They're as loyal as uh, Will Smith fans. <laughs> Somebody marching? We got horses in here now, JC. Hey, intern! Who let the horses in here?